Welcome in to another episode of the Young Turf Podcast. Maryland takes down Auburn 31-13 in the Transperfect Music Bowl. I'm Mason Viner. I'm at Gafir. You've been in Nashville all week. What was your game take from the press box at Nissan Stadium? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I felt somewhat confident about Maryland chances kind of going into it. Um, and then, obviously, that first quarter start, uh, Billy Edwards said post-game, you know, that they knew that first 15 plays, they were going to start aggressive. Um, and, you know, the the first 15 plays offensively, match exactly that obviously Maryland was able to jump out uh to a three touchdown lead early uh, early on in the first quarter um able to outgain Auburn 226 to 42 um I mean it was pretty clear cut uh, in the press box who the better team was uh from beginning to end and it was Maryland so um again you know I thought it was just a complete win uh, probably the best win uh for this Maryland team probably since the Indiana game honestly but um yeah, definitely a, a complete performance and a great way to end the 2023 season. Yeah, I called it the statement win earlier. I'll echo that statement now, right now. The way the teams are playing in the bowl games, the way that Auburn came out, they looked like they weren't ready to play. Obviously, there are a lot of opt-outs, but that's what every team's dealing with right now. Coach Loxley kind of mentioned that. He alluded to it in his post-game comments. But for me, it's a statement win. It shows it's a testament to where Loxley has his culture, that the guys came out ready to go for the third straight year, winning the bowl game and showing up kind of, I mean, the NC State game was a bit of a nail biter, but the Virginia Tech game, they dominated this game today. They dominated, would have loved to see some more points, uh, maybe one more Cam Edge drive in the second half since he was so backed up on that uh, first drive that he got. But Loxley, you know, he stick to the plan. He, he did what he always does in the bowl games. We saw a lot of guys, some bright pieces, especially in the secondary with Perry Fisher, a guy that you called out earlier in the week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fisher definitely had a – I think he probably had the breakout game, uh, offense or defense. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, you know, you mentioned obviously uh, just kind of what Cam Edge, Billy Edwards were able to do. It was really interesting. I thought, you know, kind of it would be a little bit more, um, you know, uh, I guess a hard deadline or hard cut on, you know, when Billy Edwards was going to play and until when and Cam Edge. But, you know, obviously in today's game, Maryland was able to kind of rotate freely. Um, felt like you had to really pay attention. Cam Edge came into the game there, I believe Billy Edwards – started that drive um and then obviously cam edge came in first pass 57 yard bomb hits kp in stride uh down to the auburn three yard line to set up that touchdown there so um again i thought offensively what what you saw from the quarterbacks billy edwards obviously was able to start six of ten uh a lot of combination between you know just some some inaccuracy or, or a little bit of lack of power on some of his throws uh, a couple wide receiver drops but uh edwards did uh have 10 in 10 consecutive incompletions to end the game, but uh, still felt like there was enough to, to, you know, give Loxley, give the staff to kind of evaluate that QB room. Um, and like Loxley talked about it post game, that second half. Um, if you look at it, Maryland ended up uh, only outgaining Auburn by 10 yards in the game. And that second half uh, as a whole, you know, Maryland just kind of really struggled there. Um, only finished with 41 total yards there. And uh, Loxley mentioned, you know, he wanted to, one, still be able to give the quarterback some plays where they, the staff was able to evaluate them, while B, just kind of eating the clock a little bit, um, obviously with the game, um, just a com comfortable lead there. Yeah, a couple of bright spots. I think that the tight end room for Maryland remains strong. Preston Howard had a nice game. Dylan Wade adds a touchdown. A.J. Zemanski showed what he can do in the blocking game. And as they develop that room going into next season, obviously almost just the parody of last year if Preston Howard can find a way to become a really really effective blocker the Terps will have another NFL tight end on their hands at least that's what it looks like right now if Dylan Wade continues to have a two tight end room once again and then Zizmanski just gives them some much much needed blocking power in the run game 
Yeah, I think, you know, kind of just between Deitch's and Rico Walker leaving, I think probably adding another tight end um, kind of still makes sense. But it really just feels like, you know, Preston Howard's kind of, you know, ascending into Corey Deitch's role in 2023. And Dylan Wade is just going to kind of, you know, replace Preston Howard's role as that second tight end in Maryland's offense as things currently stand. So I think obviously both of those guys um, have been able to showcase themselves. I mean, we've talked about Preston Howard, how he's such a fluid athlete and was really just about learning the tight end position. And you got a chance to see that through the regular season, uh, obviously today where he finished uh, with the one catch for five yards there. And then obviously Dylan Wade, you know, even when he was, uh, when he committed out of high school over uh, Purdue and Rutgers, I believe was his final three. Um, but he was a prototypical type of tight, tight end athlete that uh, Mike Loxie wanted in his offense. And um, despite enrolling in June, he, he's really been, been able to hit stride there. So um, yeah, I think that the tight end room has looked good. Um, and then it, it was kind of good to see, you know, Roman Hemby bounce around a little bit, Roman uh, Colby McDonald as well, finished with six, uh, six attempts for 23 yards there. Uh, but again, I think the tight end room on the offensive side of the ball, if you're not looking at the quarterbacks, it was probably them where you, you're probably most impressed. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that running back room. Obviously, we'll have plenty of time to talk about what next year's roster is going to look like. But you almost have to think Eli Mason, probably not going to be the third option. Obviously, Nolan Ray will come back. Terps add a pair of running backs in there. They have guys that can flex into the backfield. But Roman Hemby, you know, hopefully they can find some offensive arm that can run block for him because he he can make plays this year, just not really going his way. Yeah, I think that's kind of the case, you know, I think just kind of building, building off of what he was able to do. And again, you know, just kind of being that primary option in that backfield, I think is going to be, um, is going to help him. And I think it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, how Billy Edwards, uh, whether it is Billy Edwards who wins the job, but just, um, you know, I guess I was kind of assuming there based on today, but uh, whoever the, the starting quarterback ultimately is, um, it will be kind of interesting to see. How, how they're kind of able to to lean on Roman and how they're able to kind of complement each other and whether it does make a difference, whether Maryland is able to add some balance. Uh, but that running back room as a whole, you know, I think Nolan Ray, who's really been sidelined all year, um, I believe the only appearance he made was against Towson and um, has not, I've not seen him at practice uh, really since then. Um, but I think he's, he's going to probably be that change of pace back next year. Uh, but, you know, try, probably try and find a, uh, a bruiser, which is, Obviously, kind of ironic with Anton Littleton leaving and former Maryland running back Penny Boone, uh, looking like he's going to another Power Five school after a good year at Toledo. But um, I think, kind of, for what's in the room right now, I think uh, Hemby and McDonald have kind of shown a little bit more. I think it's just kind of, you know, adding and, and kind of adding a complimentary piece uh, to what they have. Yeah, I don't think we can do a show uh, this season without talking about the offensive line, at least for a second. I mentioned. Earlier in the week on our preview pod, you know, I was hoping to see some more rotation, but really not much today other than Emilio Moran gets a couple of snaps there at the end. I don't recall seeing Eric Harris much at all in what would be his last game uh, as a Terp, but mainly we will be seeing, you know, four new linemen next year and uh, Kyle Long, who had a really solid game at both guard spots. Yeah, I thought he did. He, I mean, I think really at times this year, I believe he played he all but two games this year, drew a couple starts. I mean, I thought he's looked good and really pushed Emilio Moran there uh, for that, you know, fifth and finals starting spot at, at guard there, um, really through the, you know, spring ball into fall camp. So I think he's a, a pretty, wouldn't, you know, say 100%, you never say never, but a pretty, pretty strong candidate to, to kind of take over one of those uh, interior offensive line guard spots there. Um, obviously, you know, we mentioned, you know, Josh Gatlinberger, um, the former Purdue lineman, um, you know, he, he's kind of already with the team and whatnot. Um, I think he's kind of 
be able to kind of take over that center spot. You know, we mentioned Alan Huron joined the team, you know, be able to take one of the tackle spots, uh, Leoba from uh, Georgia. I think he'll be able to another strong candidate to, to start at guard there. So um, again, you know, I think it'll be really interesting. You know, that's going to be a big thing. And, you know, obviously DJ Glaze, after he accepted that Reese senior bowl invite um, that very likely, you know, even though he hasn't, announced yet you know that that very likely ends his maryland career so um gonna be a big task for for coach brian braswell to rebuild the trenches once again and, and kind of get everything going especially with the new quarterback um that's uh that's a, a tall task but um we'll see what the next nine months look like on that side of the ball yeah let's flip it over to the defense who had a fantastic game and it started off you know loxley called it the movie trailer for next year and if that's the case this front seven is looking like it's going to be the best possibly the best group uh, on this team yeah, I mean, I thought Tommy A, Quayshawn Fuller, uh, Tyze Johnson, you know, all those guys. Jordan Phillips saw him a couple times in the backfield. All those guys, though, did a really good job getting in the backfield and kind of disrupting the the pocket there. I mean, Peyton Thorne, you know, we kind of mentioned going into the going into the game that he wasn't much of a threat, and he finished uh, under 100 yards passing for the first time this season, uh, completed under 50% of his balls. And uh, Auburn as a whole, um, yeah, they finished with uh, under 100 rushing yards again, for the first time this season. So I thought that the defense really looked good. And um, when you look at a lot of these guys that stepped up again, you know, the front seven, and then you're looking at Caleb Wheatland, who had a couple of really big plays. Uh, Kellen Wyatt, who was able to kind of bounce back after a scary early hit there. Um, clean, but, you know, scary. But um, again, you know, Ruben Hippolyte, I think that's kind of, Probably that big domino, maybe that one if, what if on the defensive side of the ball. But again, I think, you know, it's it's leaning more likely than not that he's back for 2024 as we wait for his official announcement. But again, you know, like like we said, you know, stopping Auburn's rushing attack was going to be priority number one for Maryland uh, and the front seven answered the bill. Yeah, and, you know, it was a great matchup. We talked about that, that the Terps, you know, was so much on their front seven and, and not knowing about the secondary, but, you know, Props where it's due to a guy like Perry Fisher, who hasn't been called on much this year, who gets his opportunity and, and takes advantage of it, along with Jaquan Shepard, who had a solid game. Lionel Whitaker, who's out there most of the game, a guy who, you know, there were a lot of high expectations for, but he hasn't necessarily, you know, this year we saw it seems like we've seen less of him than we did last year. So he steps up into that role. And then at safety, I mean, between Glenda Miller and his like nickel and then safety spot when Dante Trader goes down, Dante Trader, the plays that he made, he got robbed of that interception. Uh, where the Terps committed a penalty, and then Bo Braid, who opts back in after looking like he wasn't going to play, and just you know, I'm going to miss watching him on the field. He's been he's been a really good player to see. He had a couple of big plays he could have made, but just falls short. But the Terps defense, I mean, they get the job done in the secondary. Give some fans some hope going into next year. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I thought obviously Glenn Miller. I thought going into the season, he was probably that most uh, underappreciated guy on defense, and. I think he, he really continued to the show throughout the 2023 season. I know obviously Bo Braid and Dante Trader back there and Glenn Miller being able to fill the nickel role. And when Bo Braid sideline uh, fill that, uh, that safety spot and just kind of be able to, to be a jack of all trades there in the secondary. And he's really stepped up and I think he's going to be a dependable option in the secondary, but Perry Fisher, again, he was a guy, you know, I mentioned it before, but he was a guy who was all about the athleticism and his experience at quarterback kind of give him gave him a leg up of kind of learning, you know, the IQ, the the tendencies at the position at cornerback. It was all about putting it together. And he really, uh, outside of the one pass interference, I believe that resulted in an Auburn touchdown, the first Auburn touchdown there. Um, 
Perry Fisher really had a good game, three tackles, two pass deflections, one tackle for loss. Um, and I think this was really his first extended run, uh, first real big time to shine. Um, and again, you're looking at the cornerback room next year, Jalen Husky, who's already with the team. But he very likely locks down at least one, uh, well, def- definitely one cornerback spot, uh, starting spot there, there. But trying to find a second guy is is going to be the, the next question there. And, you know, whether Perry Fisher is that second guy kind of remains to be seen. But what Perry Fisher showed you is that he can be a dependable option in the rotation, um, as as can Lionel Whitaker. So uh, that'll be an intriguing room to see. Yeah, it certainly will. We got to see, you know, all the pieces of this defense. Uh, unfortunately, we don't see Neo Avery at all this year, but yeah. you're sure that he's going to be able to have an opportunity to break into the rotation uh, come next year as the Terps look for a pass rusher. He, I mean, yeah, Ahmed, you're shaking your head. He's he's going to oh, be there yeah. when he's ready to go. I mean, we were, we were talking about the front seven. I didn't even think about that. We were talking about what the front seven could look like next year. I mean, uh, I believe it was August, maybe it was early September, when Locks was asked about Neo Avery, and he said, do you expect him to make an impact this year? And Locks was like, oh, yeah. like he, he So that's going to be um, a fun, fun piece to add uh, to their front seven. So, um yeah, again, you know, and Danelle Brown, we didn't really bring about bring him up today, but that's another guy that's coming back, Kellen Wyatt. So there's there's a lot to like uh, with what the, the front seven currently has. Yeah, one last guy to shout out, Daniel Wingate, who gets back in. We've seen him show flashes at times. Mike Harris, we didn't see as much of him as I thought we would. I know I texted you during the game was like, I can't believe he hasn't played. Dylan Gooden's getting reps, and, and Mike yeah. Harris hasn't really been out there yet. But uh you know, Dylan Good was our breakout guy. It didn't quite happen yet, but he definitely saw him on special teams. You saw him kind of break through and, and get some time for the first time this year. But Daniel Wingate looks like, you know, kind of the next piece or maybe the missing piece uh, with Jay Sean Barham's departure there at the linebacking group. Yeah, I thought I thought exactly that. I mean, I think the inside linebacker room, um, you know, if, if I was, you know, kind of saying if the potential Ruben decision goes the other way and he does leave, then, you know, the inside linebacker room is kind of looking like Caleb Wheatland and, you know, Daniel Wingate, Mike Harris are kind of, you know, immediately thrusted into uh, impact roles or obviously Maryland adds at least one guy from the portal uh, at that position. But I just think, again, you know, both both those guys, uh, both those guys were Mike Harris and Daniel Wingate enrolled in June and um, they, they, they've been able to show flashes. So I think they're going to continue to make that inside linebacker room uh, kind of a strength of Maryland's defense in 2024 again. Yeah, Ahmed, a couple of players that played their last game for the Terps that I believe deserve a shout out here on the show. Deshaun Jones, obviously the guy you have to talk about. He's just been such a big part of it. You had a piece on that this week over on InsideTheBlackAndGold.net. But just, you know, his impact on the program deserves a shout out here. Yeah, I mean, I uh, remember talking to him when he was in high school. Still only feels like it was uh, two, three years ago when Coach Beatty was recruiting him. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I interviewed him on Thursday. And at the end of it, you know, he was just like, you know, I appreciate it. You've always been good to me. So he's he's taking a lot of shit from fans. But uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, around him and just kind of interact with him on a daily basis that have nothing but good things to say about him. And I think it's a testament that uh, both him and Fanaja Gote, uh, both guys, really the lone exception uh, of guys that were not initially recruited by Mike Loxley's staff to Maryland um, and just embraced everything about the program, uh, became leaders, became cornerstones, became enforcers of, you know, the standard of, you know, what, what you know, fans are kind of sick of hearing, but it's true. Um, so definitely, definitely deserving of a shout out there. Yeah, three guys on the D-line that I have to give props to. Christian Teague being one of them. It looks like he's played his last game uh, for Maryland coming in from Morgan State. A guy from Maryland that's really stepped in and, and taken up time over his um, 
years here in College Park since coming in. Isaac Bunyan, another one that I believe really deserves some props. A guy who walked onto this roster. We've seen him over the last couple of years. And then just the way that Trey Colbert came in, you know, moving up levels, comes in, fills a huge role for Maryland. That was kind of left open by Mosiah Nasili Kite, who was on the other sideline uh, during this game. I don't think he's doesn't hasn't done much at Auburn. And of course, Henry Chabuzzi, who chose to leave. But the Terps, um, really, I mean, they get some guys there that, you know, you don't they don't always stand out. They don't get money, much props, but they've come in and, you know, filled plugged holes that, that were really just voids left by the cupboard not being there for locks coming in. Yeah, I mean, I think Teague and Bunyan are prime examples, and I, and I need to do a better better job of it. Uh, I'll take accountability for that. But um, the walk-ons really don't get a lot of coverage like they should. But the walk-ons, especially under Loxley, a lot of these guys, Sean Greeley's another guy. Uh, yeah, a lot of these guys. Another. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys have have stepped up. They've they've developed. They're not just you know pieces in the program and to fill fill bodies. Um, and, and those guys ended up playing integral roles. Um, I have a subscriber, I believe it's Wade, who kept asking me about Bunyan going into the season. And, um, you know, a lot like those those guys don't get overlooked. So uh, and then uh, Trey Colbert, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of people when he committed, people are like, who the F is this guy? D2, what the hell, hell are we doing? We can't compete in the NIL era. And, and, and I think, again, I'll go back. It's uh, another example of, you know, the same as what the Indy Hall did a couple of years ago where everyone shit on Maryland for signing them when nobody else but the Maryland staff saw what they, they the roles that they could come in and fill. And they came in and did exactly that. Trey Colbert is another example of a guy. They did their homework. They knew, they knew him. They knew what they needed along the D-line. And he fit that to a T. So I just think – um, again, I say that to say that the conversation uh, when fan, among fans, I think, needs to change into why are we taking him to from a from a judgment perspective to an understanding perspective, if that makes sense. So uh, shout out to Trey and his loan season with the program. Yeah. Uh, two more that I got to get to. Obviously, Tarib still he opts out today, but still with the team. He saw him a bunch on TV, just kind of behind locks. It's so strange when you see guys that are like still with the teams that have opted out, but that just a testament to the guys wanting him around, not to say they don't want others around that opt out, but you always have that option to stay with your guys, even if you don't play in the game and Loxley opens up that door. And then Bo Braid, I already mentioned his impact, but coming in, you know, picking Maryland, getting some late interest from some bigger suitors, but another guy from Maryland who stays here, develops over time, didn't play much, you know, I think it was, might've been Wayne that asked him a question about that kind of, you know, reflecting on it after the Michigan game at home and, other than his famous line, if I want to inflict pain uh, in that same media session, he just, you know, talked about how much it's meant to him to play here and to be here and to want to be here and have his family root for the team. It's just, you know, really great when those guys develop. And th that's one of the things that Loxley's built his program on early. Yeah, uh, I think it's a perfect testament to say Darius still a former three star who Maryland is now preparing to send to the NFL, I think. Um, and again, you know, he was a guy he came in. Uh, instant impact guy, special teams uh, in that secondary. So um, he, he's been just like Deshaun Jones and, you know, I'll talk about Bill Braid, but all these guys, I mean, they've been uh, a true building blocks into changing uh, what Maryland is inside and out. So I think that uh, he, he's, he's been a, a hell of an addition. And I think kind of even inside the locker room and things like that, the way you guys talk about him, he's, he's a hell of a guy. So, um, and then Bo Braid, I want to, change up a little bit. Uh, Bo Braid on the first day of fall camp, uh, he called me after the first practice. Um, we had media day earlier in the day, obviously. And, um, you know, just get a chance to talk to them. And, you know, obviously Bo Braid and Dante Trader, both those guys are best friends and, you know, they play the same position. And, you know, Bo, Bo called me and said, I, I just, 
thought of more things I wanted to say about Dante, uh, if you have a couple minutes. And he went on for about 10 minutes just talking about how him and Dante became closer as friends and how they started pushing each other in the weight room and how that became more of a friendship and how they room together. And, you know, that blossomed into the podcast and going into business together. Um, and I thought it was really interesting, you know, Bo Brady, you know, he's, he's a guy, obviously safety, but you know, that's four position coaches in four years. Um, and you mentioned the, the higher suitors in high school, you know, Michigan was after him pretty hard. He took an official there uh, and, and opted to, to, to stay local, play for Maryland. Um, and I just think kind of in the NIL era where, where a lot of fans are kind of dead set that every player wants a bag and, and that's all they care about. Um, Boom Braid is the uh, poster child of the perfect type of athlete, um, the, the model athlete that, that fans want in college athletics. Um, great player, better person. Uh, there's nothing like I can't say any good things, uh, any more good things about him. I mean, he's just been, uh, been a class act in, in every setting. And um, yeah, I feel like every, every way that he's represented the program, he's, he's been nothing, nothing but a good guy. So um, great family too. Yeah. I mean, that, that's most of the guys I want to get to. If, if Ruben Hippolyte does go I'll, in another pot, I'll have to talk about him and just how, how great he's been over his time. Uh, at Maryland, both through the media and just off the field. I mean, these guys, just what they do to contribute. I mean, they featured it in the broadcast today, the charity work that they've done, the podcast that they've done, all that stuff, just e example guys of who you want in your room, especially when you needed to uh, kind of change things like Maryland did. Ahmed, reflecting on it uh, as a whole, eight and five season, back-to-back -back now, a Duke's Mayo Bowl win, a Music City Bowl win. Loxley, he takes a lot of heat from the fans, especially at times this year, and, and deservedly so for the team. But he certainly has Maryland in a place that's been a long time since the Terps have been here. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think a lot of the fans, when you know the the, the losses, and you start to see the the same routine stuff that makes you kind of roll your eyes. Um, and you know, I get the mentions that it's same old locks, same old Maryland fire locks. This is the this is our ceiling. Uh, I, you know, this is the end of year five. And at this point, like I said, Deshaun Jones, Fanaji Gote, both those guys, they're locks of guys at this point because they've, they've grown and they've developed and they were brought back by Loxley. Um, so this is Loxley's program. And I would say, obviously, 2018, that's a tough season for, um, you know, Jordan McNair and what happened. But when Loxley took over versus the end of this season, I mean, there's no denying that the program is going in the right direction um, and kind of where does Maryland stand? It's kind of similar to last year, uh, but it's not, it's not Maryland. Uh, they, they can't get over the hurdle. Maryland is still plays away. Um, and, and closing that gap is still going to be the biggest question. Uh, and I think obviously you look at this past season. Um, I think a lot of fans will look at the Northwestern game and probably say, Hey, you know, maybe that wasn't an awful loss. Sure. Uh, it, maybe it, maybe it was more winnable game considering, you know, it was more about Maryland's lack of control or lack of emotion and just kind of really coming out flat in a frankly dead environment. Um, the Illinois game will always be, I think, that what if on the season. But um, again, it'll be really interesting to see how Maryland does in the new look Big Ten. But uh, I can't say that the season is necessarily a failure. Um, I, I think Maryland continues to take strides um, in the fact that they are still plays away in my mind. Um, I think kind of still gives them some ammo on the recruiting trail. And I think is why they were able to, you know, lock guys down like MJ Morris, like Jalen Husky, who had Oklahoma after him pretty hard too. Um, you know, that, that Maryland, Maryland's been doing good. So yeah, I think the biggest question now is how does Maryland fare in the post Talia era? But um, 
you know, maybe this does sound homerish, but I just feel like Loxie at this point, he's kind of shut enough people up over time. And, you know, it'll be kind of interesting to see what he does and how he, he does it. But I, I have confidence that uh, by that UConn game next year, both sides of the ball are going to be looking kind of good. But um, who is under center will be interesting. Yeah, you mentioned the big question going into it. For me, you know, I, I like many of you that are listening or very angry on the field after the Illinois game, very angry on the field after making that trip over to Northwestern. And Ahmed, you said it. I mean, dead environment is is almost I've seen high school games with more juice than that place had uh, during that. It was it was a really, really strange game. And that was a strange day. And when you you know, there's things that kind of make you slap yourself with this season. Like where's the Billy Edwards quarterback power on the one yard line and four attempts at Northwestern that probably pushes them over the hump. Uh, in that game, where's that play against Illinois? You know, where's that play in so many short yarded situations where this team just didn't get the job done? Um, that's kind of the thing. But look, Locks has Maryland in a place that it hasn't been in a long time. And I think that that doesn't get enough credit, doesn't get the credit it deserves. People, I still go back to what I heard when Maryland moved to this league, which was they're never going to win bowl games. They're never going to win, you know, eight games in a season counting the bowl. They're just not going to be competitive at all. And then the NIL era, uh, the same thing. And I know, you know, Ahmed and I kind of parrot each other with the NIL thing saying, you know, it's kind of a joke that Maryland can't compete in the NIL era because that's not what where college sports is in a much stranger place, but also a much different place that I feel like is what's portrayed by the national media at this point. Um, but he's shown yet again that he can compete in teams that Maryland should beat. Most of the time they do got to clean up the things have got to get a, the offensive line's got to catch up to where the rest of the teams had talent wise. And it's going to be a fun spring. There's going to be some new faces, local guys that come back, you know, through the portal. Obviously, a quarterback competition. Obviously, Ahmed's going to have all the coverage uh, on inside the black and gold. But you know, it's going to be it's going to be a fun season because the defensive line certainly at a competitive level. Now it's just the offensive line. They got to find a way maybe to pick up one more guy, two more guys in the portal, and and really build some depth there with the high school guys they brought in. Yeah, they probably they probably need one more guy. I think in the on the O line. Um, and then again, yeah, I think you know it'll be kind of you know probably defense side of the ball. It'll be kind of interesting to see if Maryland does add an, an inside backer. Uh, I think that's kind of maybe the one one question. But um, again, you know, I think it'll be just just kind of interesting, just kind of interesting overall, just just kind of see how the whole picture comes together. But um, again, you know, uh, this is the first or the the second consecutive SEC opponent that Maryland has beaten in a bowl game since obviously the the the, the win over Tennessee back in the, the early 2000s uh first time Maryland's won three consecutive bowl games in consecutive years um first time that Maryland you know again back to back eight win seasons for the first time since I believe it's 0203 um these are there's a reason that I'm saying first time since first time since like there needs to be an appreciation of where we have where Maryland has come um, and and acknowledging that yet yeah, you know the, the how how Maryland's going to be able to beat now the Oregon's now the Washingtons along with Ohio State Michigan uh, we'll see what USC looks like uh, I'm not going not ready to pencil them in it yet as a uh, Big Ten elite but um, Maryland just continue to show how they'll hang or that they will hang and um, how they'll do so will be uh, like you said Mason will be fun to watch. Yeah, it sure will. Season starts off in August uh, this coming year. The Terps will welcome in. Uh, UConn to CQ Stadium to start it off. Ahmed, anything else to add? Um, it's been a fun ride, fun uh, fun week in, in Nashville, but uh, ready for the offseason in full swing now. Yeah, well, 
not too much offseason for those that cover Maryland. Terps obviously have the number one team in the country coming in uh, this coming week. And basketball is Big Ten play kicks off. We'll continue doing the pod here uh, as basketball season starts uh, to get rolling into conference play. We'll have more, obviously, more time spent on basketball, football recruiting as the portal window kind of closes. And then we'll see where the Terps are at heading into spring ball. Ahmed, been a first uh, fun football season here doing the Young Terps with you. And we'll continue to roll. Yeah, I'm excited to see, uh, see it continue to grow, man. But uh, definitely, uh, definitely a fun year. Yeah, certainly. And as always, you guys listening to it allows us to do so much here on the pod. Make sure to subscribe it where you get it, like it where you can. And as always, thanks for watching and thanks for listening.